The scripture reading for today comes from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1-11. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. It's wonderful to have you in the sanctuary. And for those of you who are joining us through live stream, uh, we welcome you again to our Sunday corporate worship. Officially, we have opened our church facility, facility to all of you who want to come with all the precautionary measures. And you have received all the details. For those of you who have not received uh, the e-newsletter, uh, please let me or Elaine, our admin assistant, know. Today is the last sermon on this letter, the sermon series that we have been going through on 1 Peter. If you look at the context of the last chapter, uh, the church is going through severe suffering. Uh, persecution is on the way. Uh, there are various kinds of trials uh, that are testing their faith testing their hope in Christ. And Peter is encouraging fellow brothers and sisters who are undergoing various kinds of suffering to take heart, be encouraged, even rejoice in suffering, glorify God in suffering, entrust your souls to your faithful creator who cares for you, who loves you, who knows what he's doing, and he's purifying you. He's using even devil, even the, the most severe suffering that you never anticipated to do you good. So when, when we look at the last part of this letter, he talks about suffering. And right in the middle of his message on suffering, encouragement to take heart in the midst of suffering, Peter has a special exhortation for the church leaders. Um, right in the middle, a special message to 
the leaders. Because leaders play a significant role in the life of any church. Uh, just like parents play a significant role of any family. As leaders go, the church goes. What the leadership is, the church will become. It is one thing for a little baby to have a tantrum over dinner table. It's another if a father or a mother has a tantrum or gets angry at the dinner table and bangs the table and leaves. Now that, that, that just sets the whole mood, the culture of the family in a very different way than what a baby can do. The leadership sets the tone and the temperature of the church. Even if the baby is having a major tantrum, if a mom or the dad winsomely and wisely and patiently steers that child to enjoy the food that he or she doesn't want to eat, calms the baby down, and the family can still relatively have an enjoyable dinner. Leaders set the tone and the temperature of the church. The reason why the apostles always include, almost always include a message. And we have in the Bible a special set of books, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, known as the pastoral epistles. Included in the Bible is because leaders play such a significant role in any life of an organization, family, big group, small group, and definitely church. And as I was learning from this passage, camping on this passage, meditating on this passage, and preparing to preach from this passage, and the title of the sermon comes right from the text, to shepherd the flock of God, I'm humbled yet again that I am called to shepherd God's people. Today's message is especially for the leaders. When I say leaders, it means pastors, elders, deacons, life group leaders, and any ministry team leaders of any form or shape. Today's message will give us an affirmation and encouragement, I pray, for the leaders. It will also give us clarification and correction that we may need, and it will equip us to serve God and his church faithfully with the right heart, with the right motivation that will honor God and please God. And if you're a member, you're not, you don't have a leadership role, you can't, you can't just neglect this because you need to know what God has called the leaders to do and to be. And you need to pray for the leaders who oversee your souls, who shepherd you. And today, maybe some of you who are not in a leadership role yet, God may be calling you. God may be inviting you to join him in his work of redemption and salvation and serve alongside fellow brothers and sisters at New Hope in the coming season. 
I'll be focusing on the first five verses of the chapter. We don't have time to go over the whole chapter or verses 1 to 11. Again, the title of the message comes right from verse 2. The prominent imperative, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Leaders in the original context... The church leaders are shepherding, tending, and leading, and guiding the people of God, the church, who are suffering and who are in exile, spiritual exile. This place is not their home. They're heading somewhere. Leaders are the ones who are leading people to a destination. And the destination is not just a a happy life, a healthy life here. The destination that Peter is encouraging the church and the church leadership to take the flock of God is to the heavenly glory. That's why 1 Peter talks a lot about suffering as well as the future glory that is to come. Even on this chapter, he talks about you will suffer a little while, but the God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory he will establish you restore you conform you and strengthen you what are the key marks of a good shepherd leaders number one they love the chief shepherd they serve under the chief shepherd jesus number two they serve together they're never loners they serve together with other Leaders. Number three, they love and care for the people of God. Number four, they lead not just with words, but with life, with example. So we're going to go one by one for the next 20, 30 minutes. Number one, shepherd leaders love the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. All of us leaders are sheep before we are a shepherd. And we marvel. We marvel at the shepherd's love and care for the sheep. The good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for the sheep. That's why Peter, Apostle Peter begins in his exhortation to the leaders by identifying himself as a fellow elder and a witness to the suffering of Christ. As leaders, this is is the most important foundation without which any of our leadership as any spiritual, spiritual leader, whether at home or at church, We cannot lead in any way. We will not do any good to the people. This is the the spring out of which we have to drink every day to sustain our leadership, for our leadership to be really life-giving to the people that we serve. Leaders are the ones who know they were lost, but they are found in Christ. And for that, they are forever grateful. We serve out of gratitude. First Peter 2, 25. 
For you were straying like sheep, and that includes you, elders, deacons, life group leaders, any leadership and members. You were straying like a sheep, or like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We don't serve because we want to earn God's favor, but because we are so grateful for the favor that has already been given to us, the grace that has already been given to us. And as Peter says, we're also partakers of the glory that is going to be revealed. Leader's mind has two full size or is it focuses. One on the cross of Jesus, the suffering Savior, and the glorious returning Savior, King Jesus. And we live in between those two poles. We got to have both. We have this hope in the midst of our suffering. We can rejoice because of the hope of future glory. And leaders embody that joy in the midst of suffering. As we'll see, because being a leader is, is not an easy place. It demands suffering. In the midst of suffering, if we are a leader, we are to be the ones who are at the forefront. And we do that joyfully. And I can think of moms who would wake up early to make breakfast and lunch. I mean, we are now starting vacation or summer, so maybe no, no more packing food. But all those sacrifices that our mothers do because they love. And so when Peter wrote about this shepherd, the flock of God, he must have thought about his experience at the Sea of Galilee, having denied Jesus three times. He feels so ashamed, so devastated by his own sin. He, I mean, he, he, got, he went astray way, way far. And then you meet Jesus who waits for Peter by the seashore of Galilee, having cooked the breakfast, and Jesus welcomes him, feeds him, and asks one question. And that one question is, can you please shepherd my sheep? Can you now undo your mistakes? No, the one question was, do you love me? He does it three times. And Peter, of course, answers, Lord, I love you. The third time, his heart breaks. Lord, you know I love you. And each time Peter answers, I love you, Jesus' response is, feed my sheep, tend my lamb, feed my sheep. Again, leaders, shepherd leaders, lead and serve and shepherd the flock of God because we are so moved by the love of God. It is Jesus' love for you, Jesus' love for me, and our love for him that drives, that motivates all of our serving. If that's not the primary motivation this morning, 
Spirit is using this message to sanctify our hearts. And then after that, Jesus says, follow me. Again, all shepherd leaders are first not only sheep, but followers of Jesus. We don't lead anybody unless we follow Christ, the chief shepherd. We are all under shepherds. Recently, I, interestingly, this passage that I'm preaching on this morning, um, I came across a number of different opportunities to hear and learn. And one of the most recent teachings that I received from this passage is this reality of being a, a shepherd leader of God's church is such an honorable role and a task that each morning that I wake up and I realize not only am I a Christian saved by the grace of God, by the blood of Christ, but I'm also called to serve God in this unique way as a pastor. And I come to realize I marvel at that reality. And Paul talks about how he marveled at, at the fact that God himself considered him, the persecutor of the church, to be trustworthy, to entrust his own people, to shepherd them. If you think about it, God himself is the shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. God himself is the shepherd and Jesus is the chief shepherd and overseer of all of us. And then you read about Moses, the man of God, who shepherded the people of God from the Exodus onward to the promised land and then Joshua and then the kings like King David, a man after God's own heart, the prophets of the Old Testament, and then you come to the New Testament, the apostles, and you and I as leaders get to stand shoulder to shoulder with those men of God. But more than that, think about it, for those of you who are leading in any capacity, that that. We are given this wonderful and daunting privilege to participate in God's shepherding of his people who will live forever. This is astounding, most marvelous invitation and a privilege that I can never Understand, and I can never take it for granted. So leaders, my fellow leaders, do you marvel at the fact that God calls you to be a pastor, an elder, a deacon, a life group leader, a ministry team leader, that you're not, you're not just doing work at church, but you are called 
to participate in the work of God's salvation, God's work for his beautiful bride, the church, that will remain forever. And we get to participate in this amazing work. Like, who am I? Who are you? That not only did God save us, but considered you to be trustworthy, to entrust the people for whom Christ shed his blood. We need to wake up every morning, and I'm preaching to myself more than anybody, marveling, being stunned. Oh, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Number two, shepherd leaders don't serve alone, but they serve together with other leaders. Biblical eldership, leadership, shepherding is never a one-man show. It's always, always done in a team. So when you look at verse 1, Apostle Peter says, I exhort the elders, plural, S. And he calls himself as a fellow elder. In verse 2, when he gives this command, exhortation, shepherd, the flock of God, the shepherd, the verb is plural. It's not singular. All the commands surrounding shepherding is in the plural form. Paul had Apollos, whom he calls co-laborers in God's field. He had Timothy and Titus and many, many, many partners of the gospel. Even in this letter, Peter calls later in verse 12, by Silvanus, a faithful brother. And it mentions about Mark, my son. We never work and labor and shepherd or lead alone. We need each other, and God has blessed us to serve together for support, accountability, for the need that we have is great, the need that the church has is great, and there's no way one person can serve and be a one-man show. So at New Hope, as I'm preparing this message, I'm thinking about my pastoral team, my elders, and when I think about pastoral team, our, our church as a church family is uh, organizationally, organizationally very complex, organically very beautiful. Korean counterpart, we have Russian ministry as well. And then of course we have deacons, life group leaders and ministry team leaders. And we get to work together and we are to work together. This week was a difficult week a sad week. Deacon James prayed in his congregational prayer just now. We lost father of Andrew, Adam, and Abe on, our dear brothers. This Wednesday morning, I got a text message from Andrew, and I immediately called him and went to visit him and the brothers. And before I went, I 
checked in with Pastor Jason, our senior pastor, and received wisdom and counsel from him. Pastor Daniel came alongside me. He went with me, and we got to meet the brothers and listen, talk, pray together. And Pastor Daniel graciously offered, let me, let me pick up dinner for you guys. Um, and we will figure out. Don't worry about food. Our church family will, will provide it for you. So I called one of the deacons first. Couldn't get hold of her. So I called Deacon Erica, who said, don't worry about it, Pastor Charles. I'll take care of it. Offered to provide food chain starting the next day. And I heard Pastor Sarah and others, church families, got on board. Then I got to talk to Deacon Sally later. And she was not only heartbroken, but also so willing to help out with anything, especially anything related to the financial matters. And then I emailed our deacons and elders and our leadership rallied around to support the family. There have been many phone calls, emails, text messages. And I'm grateful to see how we are serving the body together. And it's beautiful. I, I, was, I was very, very moved and encouraged. Uh, I can go on and on about our life group leaders and even Sam Pio, who leads praise. It's such a shepherd's heart. Sean, who served in the media team over many years with such a shepherd heart. Now Deacon James overseeing the media. I mean, I, the least can go on a senior um, with, sorry, Deacon James Sr. Um, with the COVID-19 task force team to make this reopening available. And I, again, I could go on and on, but it would be impossible to even have this kind of a service on Sunday morning, given our pandemic situation. And so more than anything, I give God the glory for the partnership of the gospel that we have. And for those of you who have this sense of, is God calling me to serve in any way? Know that, yes, we do it imperfectly, very imperfectly, but know that you're not going to be left alone. We will make sure that we do this together for the glory of God and for the church of God. Number three, shepherd leaders love the people of God. They realize how much God loves the sheep. We know, the leaders should know, and be reminded that the people that we oversee and shepherd, they don't belong to us. They belong to God. That's why the imperative is shepherd the flock, not just among you, but flock of God. When we look at the people whom we serve, and I'm learning as, as, as one of the pastors here, we must treat one another with such honor and respect that the world will be surprised because 
A people of that kind of credential, that kind of a social background, that kind of a skin color, or that kind of whatever, may be put down out there. But when you come into God's family, at the heartbeat of our life and ministry together is the gospel that says and proclaims God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son, that you are his treasured possession. God saves sinners, and sinners justified in Christ, sinners who belong to God now as sons and daughters, that not only do we marvel at God's call upon us, but God's work around us in people. Charles Spurgeon said this, Consider how precious a soul must be when both God and the devil are after it. Let that sink. Later, he talks about the devil prowling around like a lion to devour some of you. So stay awake. Consider how precious a soul must be when God and the devil are going after them. That's how precious each soul is. And we must remember that. And yesterday I was sitting in through a life group, one of the life group meetings, and I said uh, one word that I would describe the group is beautiful. Because there I saw, meeting in the Zoom meeting, people of God caring and loving one another, and they're very different very different background. They wouldn't be able to um, become friends maybe outside of church, but Christ brought them together. And I could see the love that the leaders have and the members have for one another. And because they know that they don't, the people of God don't belong to the leaders, but to God, and they learn to love as God loves them, this is how they love the people. They love the people by being present with them, know the people. Number two, by providing for them and also protecting them. We see that here. Elders among you. Verse two, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Um, it could be translated with you or in you. It could be in your heart or in your community. Leaders are not far away from them in their own kind of a pedestal high above them no again leaders are one of the sheep under a chief shepherd jesus says in john 10 i know my own and my own know me and he knows each sheep by name and so the under shepherds are to know their sheep by name so if i don't know you by name I'm not a good shepherd. Not just a name. I need to know you, and you need to also know me. One pastor said, if a pastor does not know the names of his people, the congregation is too big. That's a time for us to church plant, multiply. And there can never be an anonymous sheep. Church of our size, we're not that big, and it's even more difficult now that we're going online so easy to hide in the crowd. 
that's so unhealthy, so unbiblical, it's not good for you, it's not good for the church. The shepherds need to know you, you need to know the shepherd. Yes, I mean, know Jesus as your chief shepherd, but God has given church, his under-shepherds, to know one another. That's why Jesus in John 10, 27 says, my sheep hears my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It's a relationship, right? It's a two-way relationship, and there is a relationship of trust. Whenever I receive an email from a member or fellow servant member about a, a very vulnerable uh, topic, whatever it may be, and I, I'm very thankful that we have this trust to share the burden and prayer request. Um, not only do shepherd leaders know them because they're among the sheep, they provide and protect them. It says, exercising oversight. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. They know them, the shepherds know them, the people of God intimately because they're paying close attention to the need of the flock. The leaders need to be very sensitive spiritually. And we need to be praying regularly, not only connecting with the sheep, but praying regularly so that we get guided by the Holy Spirit who prompts our heart to reach out to the sheep who may be going through something that we may not know. And that happens on and off. As I have been in pastoral Ministry, and I, I hear about them from other leaders. I'm going to move quickly because of time. One thing that I do want to... Okay, I'm going to go number four, and then we need to land. Shepherd leaders lead by examples. The key passage, verse 2, Peter elaborates how to shepherd, and he says this, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. We see three characteristics. Number one, willingness and enthusiasm. Not under compulsion, not because you're forced to, but because you want to. Again, it goes back to the first foundational reality, the, the mark of shepherd leader, you are so filled with the gratitude to serve God. And you serve because you want to. You have this sense of, it's a privilege to serve. But it is interesting how Peter mentions, not by compulsion, but with willingness, because... When we serve, when we lead, it is possible to serve out of an obligation and out of duty. Duty, we're not against. But if it's only out of duty, not delight, we have to check our own hearts. Leaders are in a position to give, 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 and give more. And we can become weary. We must make sure that we check our own hearts so that we are filled with the gospel love of Jesus Christ. And when we serve and shepherd and lead, we are serving out of an overflow. 
That's our first work. It talks about joy, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. When Paul, Apostle Paul mentions about his ministry, his experience, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he, he lists all this list of sufferings he went through. And then at the end in verse 28, he says this, apart from all these things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Daily pressure. And Paul took it willingly and eagerly. Because again, he had this gospel joy bubbling out of him in the midst of suffering. I heard a story about a pastor, Jonathan Edwards. He, he got kicked out of his own church, the church that he planted, or a church that he was uh, serving for many, many years. And when he was being kicked out, this is what one observer noted about him. Here was a man of God whose happiness was out of reach of his enemies. Wow, that's... That's the kind of joy that Peter is talking about. It's an out-of-reach kind of joy that is so deep, that is welling up every day. And that's why we must, we must be filled with the love of God in Jesus Christ. And we are to be examples, not domineering. We are able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. So to summarize, shepherd leaders are the ones who love Jesus above all, work with other leaders, love the people of God, and lead by example, and who is worthy to be shepherd leaders. It humbles us. We serve as shepherd leaders because we're called, and because God sustains us continually. And we need to be filled by the power of God and the grace of God. And as we humbly depend on God, the chief shepherd, we will stay close to God. And somehow, by God's grace, he will use people like us to shepherd his people for whom Christ died. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, who have been so faithfully shepherding us, leading this church through many, many ups and downs of this church's life and ministry. And we also remember under shepherds, who've gone before us, including Pastor Jason and his family, our elders, our deacons, our life group leaders, ministry team leaders. 
and the names that I cannot name, but you know them. We thank you for them and their faithfulness. Will you bless them? And will you continue to fill shepherd leaders' hearts with a deep, powerful love of Christ? And Father, we also pray for the members who are being called by you to serve alongside the existing leaders, that when you call them, they will marvel at the fact that you consider them to be trustworthy, to entrust your precious and treasured possession to us to shepherd them as we follow you together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.